You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Jesus, I am thankful to be able to minister and communicate your word this morning. Lord, I pray that as I speak on your behalf, God, that, that your words will not only penetrate hearts and minds, but God, it'll, it'll have an outer working, Lord, that there will be acts of obedience that follow what we hear and the truths that are revealed to us. Lord, I pray that as a church that we will no longer be afraid to be the empowered entity that you have called us to be, the spirit-filled, living organism that you call the church. That we, we will no longer believe that we, we, we are an organization or a building, that we are a living, breathing entity that carries the almighty God's presence and all that comes with that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, something that, that Steve touched on last week was um, things that mark the church. How many of you were here last week? Uh, and so there was marks of the church or, or things that the church was identified. And uh, he, he, uh, he touched on this, but I am going to dive us pretty deep into this if I can. And so I want to talk to us about being a church marked by the Holy Spirit. How many of you are okay with that? How many of you freak out when you hear the words Holy Spirit? Yeah, I hope you don't. Holy Spirit is God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You, um, it's commonly known as, as the Trinity. You will not find the word Trinity in Scripture. Uh, Trinity is a doctrine. And what I mean by a doctrine, it, it's, it's, it's a belief of the church that we hold on, on to these truths of who God actually is. And so God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Spirit, which we commonly re refer to as the Holy Spirit, which we, we see in Scripture. Three in one, three who are one in unity, in unison, right? We, it's also called the Godhead, right? The Godhead. And so we understand the Father's role when it comes to the church. We understand the Son's role as it comes to the church, at least I believe we've done a good job communicating the son's role, that, that Jesus is the head of the church. Can you say amen to that? Right? And so even when we say things like my church, it's not our church, although we belong to this thing, it is Jesus's church. I've heard pastors say things like that, like my church, like if it's a possession, it's not our church. It, it is Jesus's church. We get to be a part of this thing. We are the church, which means that I'm his and if you, if you belong to the church, then you belong to Jesus. You are his as well. And so, but this, this understanding of the Holy Spirit's role with the church, it's a powerful thing. And if you read the New Testament, it is inescapable about the Holy Spirit's role when it comes to the church. Um, there's, a, there's a quote by A.W. Tozer in regards to the church. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit. And it goes like this, that if the Holy Spirit removed himself from the church today, 95% of what we do would still continue on. But if we remove the Holy Spirit from the early church, 95% of what they did would stop. So uh, there's this understanding that the, holy, the, the early church was birthed 
in spirit fire. We have to recognize that when we see what takes place in the early church, Acts 1.8, we read this, and you guys should be very familiar with a lot of these verses. Jesus says this to the disciples before he ascends, but you will receive power. Say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit, listen friends, comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then we see in Acts 2, this very thing take place. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And this is why the gatherings are so important. This is why us coming together are so important. There is something exponential that takes place when saints gather. And so I'm so glad that you're here this morning because we are, are, are in, in direct response to the pattern of scripture, pattern ourselves after that. We gather to see God do something exponential. Listen, friends, not just with me, with us, with us. So look at someone next to you and say, I'm glad you're here. So listen, they were meeting together in one place. And then listen to this friend, verse two, suddenly say suddenly, suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roar of a mighty windstorm, And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, listen to this friends was filled with the Holy spirit was what? was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as, listen friends, the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The church, the early church was birthed in fire. The early church did not know what it was like to not operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. It was something that Jesus, um, it was something that Jesus had promised them. It was something that they were holding on to because we look on the day of Pentecost, they were waiting in one place. Jesus said, wait, and I will send you the, the, the helper. Um, we'll read that in a bit. So listen, um, in Acts chapter four, as we move on a little bit uh, into the church's uh, life in the early church, after this prayer meeting, the meeting, um, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit then they preach the word of God with boldness. I'm, I'm, I'm using these verses just to develop a pattern, right? So it wasn't just one time that the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit continuously came, continuously filled, continuously baptized, continuously was present with the early church. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, we read this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. So this is what was happening. The gospel was going out like wildfire. I mean, people were getting saved. Holy Spirit was falling upon people. People were taking the gospel messages to, to every known place that they could. And then the disciples were going to other places and they were finding out when they got to other places that people were already being saved in those places because other people had already gotten there. This is how wild it was. So can you imagine going on a missions trip? We go to some missions trip to some city that needs Jesus and we get there and we found out some Christians had already gone through there and everyone's already saved. This is what was taking place in the early church, right? And so when the apostles of Jerusalem, they get to Samaria. And listen, Samaria was a place that Jews would never have gone, not to preach the gospel. 
Samaritans were people that they, that they refused to associate with. But the gospel penetrates all of that. All people groups, all racial lines, all, all cultural lines, the gospel penetrates all of it. And by the power of the Spirit, they were going to these places. So they sent Peter and John, knowing that there were already people who believed in Jesus there. So now they're sending the, the apostles to shepherd them. Because like, hey, these people know Jesus. We need to send them some pastors to take care of them, right? And so as soon as they arrived, they prayed and listen to this. And the new believe they prayed for the new believers, listen, friends, to receive the Holy Spirit. So I, I want us to, to, to understand a doctrinal thing here. It is possible to be saved and to believe in Jesus and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so these people believed in Jesus. They became believers by the response to the gospel, but they were not filled with the Spirit. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so they, they were baptized, they were saved. These people were going to heaven, but they had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, then Peter and John, listen, friends. So this is a method we see in Scripture, a method that we believe in. And Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? They received the Holy Spirit. Some of you have received the Holy Spirit. Some of you have, have had hands laid upon you and have received the Holy Spirit. And it happens in, in, in a variety of ways. Some people do speak in tongues. Some people do uh, uh, fall under, under the power of the Spirit. Some people will, will begin to weep. Some people, there's, there's, there's a variety of ways that we can, we can see tangibly the, the Holy Spirit has fallen upon someone. But here's what I know for sure, and I need you to know for sure. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it looks like something. And more than it looks like something, you know that you have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're a Christian and you're asking yourself, well, I don't know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm going to be, try to be gentle with this. Maybe you're not. And I'm not saying that that's bad. What I'm saying is that, that there's, there's more. There's more. Are you with me? Okay, and so the hands were laid, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, read this. Um, even as Peter was saying these things, listen, friends. The, so Peter's preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 10. And as he's saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. So as he's preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit's operating in power, and people are being filled with the Spirit as he's preaching, Right? The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed, listen friends, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. And let, let, let me kind of give us some, some context for this. The Jews had always been the set-apart people of God. They were always the anointed people of God. And so they, honestly, if I can, if I can be honest, probably carried some cultural arrogance in regards to God. They, feel, they felt like they had the God market cornered because they were the chosen people of God. Now that Jesus has come, the Messiah had come, Jesus had unleashed and given the Holy Spirit to the church and to all who would believe. And so the Jews were now beginning to operate in other areas of other Gentile areas, right? Those who weren't anointed people of God, those who weren't set apart by God, those who were once excluded from the promises of God. 
And so now they see as they're ministering into a Gentile context, these people are receiving the same power and the same anointing that we have received. And they were in awe of that because now this expands the borders of, of, of their religious thinking, right? Of their religious experience. It's not just about us anymore. And I, this is what I love about God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He is a great equalizer. He is a great equalizer. The same, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit in this way, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that resides within us. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? And it's not just for us. I need us to know this. It's not just for us. It's for all who will believe. And so it happens here for these Gentiles who culturally have been excluded from all the promises of God, who have been excluded from experiencing the presence of God like the Jews had experienced it in the past. And so Gentile get, um, the, the Holy Spirit gets poured out on these Gentiles too. And then listen to this, verse 46. This is the Jews speaking of, of the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God, right? Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Isn't that powerful? So, so here, here's another pattern kind of breaker. So in the Christian world, it kind of goes like this, right? You accept Jesus into your heart, right? As soon as you accepted Christ into your heart, I believe you should be baptized, right? You should be baptized. It's, it's a commandment of the Lord, right? To be baptized and you will be saved. And then you get filled with the Holy Spirit. This is kind of what the church world puts out there as a pattern. And I'm not saying they preach it from the front. It's just kind of that thing, right? So you believe first, and then you do something really crazy and you get baptized. And then once you're baptized, then you go really deep and then you get Holy Spirit baptized. Scripture doesn't give us that pattern. God does what he wants, when he wants, with whoever he wants. And so we see it here. Listen, friends, these people received the gospel and they were baptized in the spirit and they hadn't even been baptized yet. And so what the apostle Peter was saying was, listen, can anyone now object to them being baptized? And to be baptized is to be baptized into something, friends. It's, it's, it's a public statement that we are a part of something. Right? It's, it's a public identity. We see it in Jesus' baptism when God speaks from heaven down to Jesus and says, this is my son and whom I am well pleased. Right? There's just this, this, this connection that takes place in our baptism that we are being baptized into community, that we are being baptized into this beautiful thing called the church. For they heard them speaking in other tongues, and Peter asked, can anyone object to them being baptized? Can anyone object to them becoming part of this beautiful thing, this ecclesia that we are a part of? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have, verse 48, so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And after Cornelius asked him to stay with him for um, several days, and so um, this is, um, yeah, just in context with, please go back and read all of that chapter. It's a beautiful, beautiful portion of scripture where we see the gospel reaching the Gentiles. So I say, I share all these verses for this. Acts and the epistles have countless 
accounts of being filled with the Holy Spirit, being sent by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon, the Holy Spirit coming within, right? There's, there, we, there's just no escaping the connection between the church and the Holy Spirit. There is no separating the two. And so even, I don't know if you've ever been asked a strange question like this when they say, uh, when you say, hey, I'm a Christian, has anyone ever asked you, but are you spirit-filled, Right? When we read the scriptures, there should be no difference. Yes, we should be spirit-filled because this is what we see. There is no other, there should be no other kind of Christian. We should be filled with the Spirit. We should be baptized and we should be believers because this is the pattern of scripture that we see. And this is what has marked, listen, the church for thousands of years. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And so this shouldn't be a surprise to us when we read these radical accounts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's some radical things that take place uh, in Scripture. We'll maybe touch on some if we have time. But it shouldn't surprise us about the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes the church gets so uncomfortable when it comes to the things of, of God, the Spirit, because, yes, he, he is mysterious. He is God. There, there are things that we, we don't know, things we will probably never know. But the most powerful thing about the Holy Spirit is that he reveals Jesus to us. Everything will lead to Jesus and everything the Holy Spirit does will line up with the word of God. And so this is why we have to have a balanced theology when it comes to all of these things, right? If it lines up with the word of God, that you and I should be very secure with any movement that the Holy Spirit wants to do. John chapter 15, verse 26 through 27 says this. And this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. But I will send you the advocate. The Greek word there would be the paraclete. I will send you the advocate. It can also be translated a helper. Which means this, friends. We cannot do this thing alone. We were never meant to walk this Christian walk without God the Spirit's help, without the Holy Spirit's help, without the help of the advocate, listen, whom Jesus promised, I will send you the advocate, the Spirit of truth. Listen, friends, he will come up. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. This is the Holy Spirit's job. He will testify about Jesus. He will point us to Jesus. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. So, if you want to see one characteristic of God, the Spirit is people who carry the Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. Ain't that powerful? So, um, so listen, here, here's um, some marks of the Holy Spirit. And so as, as Steve said, hey, some marks of, of the early church, here's what they carried. But here's what they carried in, in, in unison with God, the Spirit. Mark chapter 16, Jesus says this in the Great Commission. This is part of the verse that we have on that wall back there. It says this, these miraculous signs will accompany, another version would say this, would follow. And this is powerful because, listen, we don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders should be following the saints, which means if you see signs and wonders, you see, you, you'll see this often. It's happened for, for thousands of years when it comes to the church, right? Someone carries a gift and what happens? People flock to that gift, Right? Because they want to experience it. They, I, mean, I mean, the Holy Spirit, when he moves, it's powerful. We should be in awe. But listen, friends, we shouldn't be chasing gifts. Gifts follow those 
right, who are filled with the Spirit. And so the, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. I don't recommend you doing that unless God really says so. But yeah, so be it. Um, listen, and, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. These are the marks of people filled with the spirit of God. So when Jesus released his disciples into ministry, he said, these things will follow you, right? But he, we pair this up with Acts chapter one, verse eight. And he says this, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is what being spirit-filled looks like. This is the outer working of that later on. So after Jesus ascends into heaven, Jesus has promised them these things would happen. And listen to this, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. The apostles were performing many miracles, signs, and wonders amongst the people. Who's doing that? The apostles. Those who Jesus said this would happen. That if you are my followers, these things will accompany you. So they begin to perform signs and wonders. All those things that Jesus was doing when he was on the earth, they were now carrying and listen, friends, they were not carrying it under their own authority and in their own power. They were carrying it because of the power of the spirit of God. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade, but no one else dared to join them. It's speaking about the, um, the apostles, even though all the people had hard, um, high regard for them, they were beginning to be in awe because now these men are functioning in signs and wonders. It's, it's an amazing thing when you're, when you're around people who carry gifts like this, right? People who just carry something. There's just, there's just something different about it. And we shouldn't be in awe of the person. We should be in awe of God. But listen, friends, Yet more and more people believed and brought and were brought to the Lord crowds of both men and women as a result of the apostles' work. Listen, friends, six people, uh, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. You think of this. They were filled with the Spirit. They were being obedient to what Jesus has said. They were healing the sick. They were, they were operating in the power of the Spirit so much that people were bringing them out to the streets so that the apostle Peter's shadow would touch them so that they would be healed. I don't know if that trips you out, but that's not only is that amazing, but I, is this still the God we serve? Is this still the Holy Spirit that is available to the church today? In my opinion, absolutely. So the question that I carry is, where's the deficit? Is the deficit with God? Or is the deficit with us, with the people? Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed because signs follow those who carry the Holy Spirit. So listen, this, this gift, these gifts don't only operate outside of the church, but also inside the church. 
And so you got to think, a, a, a spirit-empowered church, this early church, it was getting wild. I mean, there was people operating in spiritual gifts, and I'm telling you, it was getting nuts. People were prophesying. People were speaking in tongues. People were being healed. I mean, you got to understand, this is what the church was born into. This is how it was birthed, and they knew nothing else. And so when these churches were being erected in all of these cities that the gospel was reaching, the city of Corinth and uh, Thessalonica and Philippi and Ephesus, and, and these churches were being erected, and, and all these people were operating in the power of spirit. It was getting messy. It was getting messy. And so the apostles were having to, you know, bring some order, right? And having to give them, hey, hey, all right, listen, this is good stuff. This is all stuff that you need. This is all stuff that we want. But hey, let's, let's, let's allow, you know, God to bring some, some order to this stuff. And I, and I think a lot of us, we, when we hear about the spirit, we always lean that way. Well, well there has to be order. Right. Right. There has to be order. If you come, whatever kind of background that you come from, right. When it comes to the things of spirit, I remember what we were speaking to someone who was looking to join our church and was asking about tongues. And so I, I, we, we absolutely believe in speaking in tongues. And so um, when, when this person was thinking of coming to the church, he asked, do you guys believe in speaking tongues? And normally when people ask that it's not a good thing. And so when, when they asked, I was like, Oh, like, how do I answer this, right? And so my aunt, I was like, yeah, we do. It's in scripture. So we, we absolutely believe that, that speaking in tongues is not only biblical, but it, it is real and relevant, uh, real and, and evident within the church today. Like, it's, it's valid. We, so, um, but I was, thankfully, I, I, I could take a breath because he was like, but, but you believe interpretation as well, right? <laughs> so if, as long as it's in balance with order, you know, people get comfortable. But listen to this. As the Apostle Paul was speaking to the churches and writing letters in these epistles, he was bringing some guidance to them when it came to these giftings of the Holy Spirit, right? And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11, I'm going to go through a few things for us, um, if you can, um, with the time we have. So now... There are a variety of gifts. Can you say variety of gifts? There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And that spirit there, when you, when you read it in the scriptures, it's, it's, a, it's a capital S because it is speaking about God, the Holy Spirit. There's a variety of gifts, but it's the same Holy Spirit. And so we have to understand that, that not everyone carries the same stuff, but we should be carrying the same Holy Spirit. We should all be baptized in the Spirit. We should all be filled with the Spirit, but we'll be, we might be carrying different giftings, and we should be okay with that. So look at someone next to you and say, I'm okay if your giftings are different. We should be okay with that. We see this when, 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 when the, the apostles speak about the body of Christ, right? We all can't be, when we think about the body, we all can't be a thumb, and we all can't be an arm. We all can't be in a leg. If we did, we would just be like one leg hopping around and be looking a little weird right? We're not all the same. And this is okay. We should celebrate not only diversity of skin and culture, we should celebrate diversity of giftings as well. And this is absolutely okay. Listen, so there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. It's the same God. The same God who empowers someone to prophesy, the same God who empowers someone to speak in tongues, and we should be okay with both, Right? But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And this is an important thing here. Is it for the common good? 
is it for the common good? Because if a gift is for my glory, it's not a gift from God. And I got to tell you, this is where abuse takes place in the church. When someone experiences a gift, I believe many gifts start authentically, but then that gift becomes attractional, and then that gift becomes personal, and that's never a gift from God. And so someone has a gift of prophecy, and that that gift of prophecy is an attractional gift, and people begin to look at that person who carries a gift of prophecy, but when that gift becomes personal, like this is my gift, it is no longer a gift from God because it should never be self-focused and it should never be focused on the gift carrier. It should always be focused on King Jesus. And so that gift should be carried. It's the same with tongues. If someone feels like, like they need to carry that gift of tongues and all they do is exert that gift of tongues for everyone to have to listen to the gift of tongue that they carry, it is no longer a corporate gift. It's for the common good, right? It's for the common good. I'm going to get to tongues in a second. So, so if you can put on your seatbelts right now while you're waiting. Um, common good, verse 8. For the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So we see different, different giftings. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Right? These, these, are, these are what I would call kind of cousin gifts to the prophetic gift. Right? When you're praying over someone and God just drops something very intimate that you would never know about that person as you're ministering to them. Or, or, or someone's coming to you with a situation and the Holy Spirit just drops knowledge on you on how they can navigate through that situation, right? These are giftings that, that people carry that probably don't even know that they carry them, right? Some people just think, oh, I don't know where that came from, the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, to another, faith. Do you know faith is a gift? Faith is a gift. You, when you encounter this gift, get close to it. Man, ask that thing to rub off on you. Some, someone who carries a, 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 a faith gift, just have them lay hands on you, right? I want some of that faith gift. I mean, I'm telling you, there's so many who don't carry this thing, and we should be. A faith gift, this comes from the Holy Spirit, by the same Spirit. And to another gift, listen, a gift of healing by one Spirit. It's all coming from the same source, Verse 10, and to another, um, the, the effecting of miracles. And to another, listen, friends, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing spirits, discernment. This is, that's one of the hardest gifts to carry. When you see things, when you walk into a room and you see things, this is something my wife carries. You see things and you're, you're not able to just like bring it out to the open for all to see because most people don't understand it. It's a hard thing to carry. Distinguishing of spirits to another, various kinds of tongues, tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually. Listen, friends, just as he wills. As who wills? As God the Spirit wills. The Holy Spirit will give gifts to those he wills, all comes from the same source. Are you okay? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Verse 14 says this. Pursue love. Pursue love, which is the greatest gift that we carry. Greatest fruit of the Spirit, right? Love. Greatest commandment from Jesus. Pursue love. Carry love above all else. Carry love above all else. Carry this thing. Yet... 
desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I think we're all okay with the love thing. I think we're all okay with understanding that Jesus wants us to love him first and love each other second. But I'm telling you, friends, we cannot separate ourselves from the outer workings of God the Spirit's work. And it comes in the form of gifts, regalos. Do we want them? Do we earnestly desire them? Do we earnestly seek them? But especially, listen, friends, that you may prophesy. And so the Apostle Paul's now getting into a hierarchy of gifts. And I don't want to confuse anyone, but here's, here's what the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul says through the Holy Spirit's um, leading here in verse 2. For one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. So we need to understand it. If you are given the gift of tongues, that you are not speaking to man, you are speaking to God, right? This is for, for edification, right? Edification of, of yourself. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. And so the language of the spirit is mysterious. And, and, and I don't know how, how you have come across this gift of, of the Holy Spirit in, in the form of tongues, but you know I've seen it coached. And it should never be coached. You cannot coach a heavenly language, right? You can't say, hey, repeat after me. I should have bought a Honda. Like, you can't say that, right? I did just say I should have bought a Honda. I was kidding. I'm not mocking. I've seen some of this stuff. Maybe you've seen some of this stuff. Maybe you've come up for prayer and someone's trying to push you over, right? And you got your head and they're trying to make sure you fall down. And right, we, we, don't, we don't manipulate. We allow God to be God. And when it's authentic and when it's real, we want it. But listen, it needs to be authentic and it needs to be real, but we still must want it, right? We still have to want these things. And, and when it comes to the gifts of tongues, listen, friends, there's a spiritual tongue that we receive for edification that I in my prayer closet will use to edify my spirit with God. I'm most of the times when I'm worshiping here, I'm, I'm praying in tongues, like most, most of service, most Sundays, I, I'm praying in tongues as we are worshiping Jesus because I'm needing my soul to be edified. I'm needing God to download me before I minister, whatever it is. I'm, 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 speak, I'm speaking in tongues to God, allowing him to download me with whatever he needs to give me for that morning, right? But there's also the gift of tongue. And this is, this is I want to differentiate this. As I am speaking there in tongues, no one needs to come up here and give you all an interpretation of how I am edifying my spirit between me and God, right? Because it's none of your business. And when you're speaking in tongues with Jesus, no, you, there doesn't need to be an interpretation because you're edifying your own spirit and it's nobody's business. If Ken came up to me and says, I really feel like the Lord has a word for the life of this church. And it's okay. Ken's an elder in this church. I trust him. I trust his giftings. If Ken grabbed the microphone and began to speak in tongues, making declarations in a spiritual language, then there needs to be interpretation. Because now he is no longer edifying himself. He is edifying us. And with that, interpretation needs to come. And so I need us to be very clear about those two things, right? So if you see someone's praying in tongues and they're sitting next to you in, in the seat or during worship, someone's in tongues, I don't want you to be the tongues police and be like, there has to be, there has to be interpretation. There has to be interpretation. Like, listen, let the person edify their spirit. They're down, getting a download from God. It's okay. It's okay. Take a breath. You'll be good. 
Are you guys okay? Are you guys cool? Okay, listen. For one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies, listen, speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. That word can also be interpreted as comfort. And so when someone comes to bring a prophetic word, we believe this is the criteria for prophetic words. It has to be edification, exhortation, or consolation. If someone has a word of knowledge, we would never allow that to come across publicly until it's been vetted by one of the elders who are leading the service. And so let's just say, sorry, Kenny, you're just right there, bro. Let's just say someone says, hey, I have a word of knowledge, something about Ken's life. Means God has given him something intimate about Ken's life. So let's just say it's, you know, hey, Ken, um, just feel like you, you've um, been worried about something in this last season and God wanted to let you know, right? That, that, that is an encouragement, right? Now, let's say they said, hey, I just feel like God gave me something for Ken that I, that I want to share. And he wants to publicly correct Ken in front of the church. That's not exhortation, um, consolation, edification, or consolation, right? He's not bringing a word of encouragement, exhortation, or comfort. He's coming to rebuke him publicly in front of people. Right. And, and, and we don't do that. Right. If he's a brother in the Lord and I know something's going on, then as a brother in the Lord, I can pull him aside and talk to him because I love him. And hopefully he trusts me enough to be able to speak into that. But it would never be public because we don't tear down people from pulpits. Are you guys with me? You guys cool with this stuff? All right. So one who speaks in tongues, listen, friends, edifies himself. But one more, um, but even more. I'm sorry. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. So Apostle Paul is telling this church, I wish you would all speak in tongues because it edifies your spirit. It's a language between you and God. But listen, more that you would prophesy and uh, and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive receive edifying or be edified. And so this is speaking about our ecclesia. This is speaking about our gathering, right? This, these giftings have a pecking order um, as far as scripture is concerned. So listen, I've gone over the gift of tongues for edification, a private tongue, or the gift of tongues for proclamation, which is a corporate tongue. And that is a gift that does need interpretation. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26 um, through 29, read like this. Um, What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. All of these giftings are given to us so that we can lift each other up, not tear each other down, and not even put people in, in hierarchical categories. Oh, those are the prophets. And oh, those are the people who haven't been baptized in the spirit. And oh, those are the people who haven't been baptized. Like there's all these things that we can see, hierarchical things with even within the church. And I'm telling you, friends, all of these gifts are given to us so that we can all be edified, so that we can all be lifted up, not be segregated and not be divided over these things. And I'm telling you, if you've experienced old religion church, you've probably experienced these things, right? You can't do certain things because you're not baptized. You can't do certain things because you, I don't know what, you know, you, we, listen, these are all given to us so that we can be um, edified. That being said, 
you should be baptized. <laughs> that being said, you should desire to be filled with the Spirit. We're not going to treat you any different if you're not. We love you just the same because God the Father is Father to, uh, to us all. But listen, um, but there, let me start with 27. Anyone speaks in tongues, it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, then he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. And so if you're bringing a public word of tongue, then there has to be interpretation. If there is no interpretation, then we just have to be silent because we just don't want there to be disorder or confusion. Let two or three prophets speak. And so we, we, we need to be very, I mean, there's times when God's moving. And like right to, um, today, um, Ken had a word, uh, Linton had a word, and Vanessa had a word, right? Let two or three prophets speak. Uh, outside of that, be careful because we're going to go in 10 different directions, right? And so it doesn't mean bad things are happening, but hey, we're here together to be edified and get, get to a destination as we gather. So if one person says, hey, I think God's saying this. Another person say, God's saying, could be saying all of it, but it can leave the people confused at the end of the day. Like, so what was happening? Like parents are being healed and like this and that. You know what I mean? It's it just, we just have to be, um, that's why the elders are here to help guide all that stuff. Um, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment, which means as prophetic words come, the rest of us, do get to judge those words, right? And not judge them like, oh, let me see if that word is right, right? We hold an intention. Is this edifying? Yes, it's edifying. Does this sound what like God's doing? Yes, it does. Then let's respond, right? Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not, listen, friends, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. It's a scripture. And, and, and if you part of an old church, you would, you would have said this, the word of the Lord, <laughs> Right? This is what God has said. We can't deny it. And not only can we not deny it, and not only can we just not put it in the corner and be like, okay, we believe it, but you know, I'm still not comfortable with it. Let's just put that on the shelf. No, friends, this is foundational. This is foundational for us. We stand on the word of God, right? So A, we have to remember that gifts are given by God. Who are they given by? By God the Spirit, right? Gifts are given by God. Listen to use for the service of others. It's never for us. It's never for my attention. It's never for my glory. It's for others, right? It's for others. So let me uh, tackle this very quickly. Charisma gifts, these gifts that are tracked, right? Romans 12, six through eight. And I'm just gonna go through this real, real quick. The charisma gifts, prophesying, teaching, giving, mercy, serving, exhorting and leadership, right? These are the charisma gifts. These are the gifts that attract. These are the gifts that galvanize. You see these giftings uh, maybe up front, right? Other references to charisma are also hospitality, the gift to speak, right? Helps, administration, celibacy. So if you are single and unmarried in this place, you should be practicing that gift, celibacy. That was not a joke, but a joke. Right, um, cr creative skills, right? Um, man, our Thursday life team, I am trying to cultivate these creative gifts, right? We got a bunch of young people who are very creative and can do circles around most of us in regards to something, right? We need to, to, um, to cultivate this into the ground of our church, right? 
1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift. Friends, God has given each of you a gift. You carry something. You carry something, right? Uh, and these gifts come from a variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use your gifts well to serve one another. Don't feel like your gift is obsolete. Don't feel like your gift is like, ah, oh, I don't know. I can't do it like, I can't do it like Steve or I can't, I can't do it like, you know, someone. No, we don't, we don't use your gift and use it well, right? Do it for Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecies spoken over you. Listen, friends, when the elders of the church laid hands upon you. So we see that method again, the laying on their hands when the Holy Spirit comes. 2 Timothy 1.6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gifts God has given you when I laid my hands upon you, right? Holy Spirit, giving gifts by his power. So those, those are the um, charisma gifts. And then we see uh, the doma gifts. And doma is, is kind of like the traditional word of a gift, something that is given to us. And we see this in Ephesians 4, and we understand this as, as the fivefold ministry gifts. Um, now, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue, which means this is still ongoing until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ which means we believe that these gifts are still in operation today. Many believe that these gifts are obsolete because the apostles all died and they're no longer needed. But according to scripture, these gifts are needed to mature the church until Christ comes. And Christ hasn't come the last time I checked. And so we still need these gifts. And so the apostles, if you want to write this down, the apostles govern, right? The apostles govern. Prophets guide right? They're always speaking future tense. They're always speaking. That's what we'll move into, right? Evangelists gather, right? Evangelists go and they, and they find sinners and, and convert them into saints, right? Pastors guard. We shepherd, right? We shepherd the sheep. And lastly, teachers ground. They ground us in the word, right? They tie us to the word. And so um, those are the gifts. I mean, this is a very brief overview, guys. There's so much more we can get into that. We see also phenerosis, which is the manifestation of the gifts, right? Or, or the coming of light. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. We see words of wisdom. That's where things are coming from the darkness into light. Things are being exposed. Words of knowledge being exposed. Faith, right? God opening up things. Healing, right? Someone was, was, was broken. Now they're healed, right? Um, miracles, whatever those miracles could be. Uh, Jesus turned water into wine. I wish you guys had that gift. Huh? Um, so listen. The discerning of the spirits, right? Discerning of the spirits, tongues, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, right? These are the manifestation gifts. So I want us to remember this. I'm going to close here. Um, gifts do not reflect maturity. Because God will give gifts to who he chooses. We read that. The Holy Spirit will give gifts to who he chooses. So someone from day one could, uh, for, of receiving Christ could receive a prophetic gifting. Right? It just, this does not reflect maturity. So you can't think, oh, well, those people, they're mature because they get up on stage and they say things for Jesus. Right? That's, that doesn't reflect maturity. It does not reflect maturity. You can carry any gift that God gives you from day one. 
Amen? You okay with that? All right, listen. Gifts should be eagerly desired. If Jesus has offered it, why wouldn't we want it? Why wouldn't we want it? In this thing around tongues, I mean, I know so many people weirded out by it and freaked out by it. Apostle Paul was encouraged. I wish you all spoke in tongues. That's my heart for you too. I wish you all spoke in tongues. But if you don't, it doesn't mean that you're any different than anyone else. Your value doesn't change. But I wish you all did eagerly desire it, right? Remember this, that gifts that God gives, they are a benefit for all, right? We're, we're, we, we are the ecclesia. We are together, right? The gift that God gives me is yours, and the gift God gives you is mine. We get to share this stuff because, because we're, we're connected, right? Remember this, the whole body can judge the manifestation. So just also know that too, right? If, if you're trying to operate in your gift, that there, there, there is accountability for those giftings, right? And just so you know, the elders are, are, are a huge safety net for that, right? We would never allow someone to operate in a gift First, that we didn't trust, right? But two, that we would believe would be harmful to the life of our church. We just wouldn't. And so just know that there's safety in that. Um, and number five, in our meetings, things should be done decently and in order, right? And in order. We never want a gift to hijack a meeting. Jesus, this is Jesus' meeting. He gets all the glory. And so any gift that hijacks a meeting or any gift that draws attention to itself we need to bring order to, right? So here we go. All right, I'm going to... How do I receive the Holy Spirit? Number one, you must be a believer. Number two, desiring all that God has made available to you. And number three, so easy, friends, ask. Just ask. Luke 11 says this, You fathers, if, you, if your children ask for a fish... Do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask him. I'd love to invite you to stand this morning. If you are in doubt of whether or not you have received the Holy Spirit, know that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Afraid of what the Holy Spirit can do. We, we would love to pray with you. We are not trying to make anything happen. We are not expecting any.